Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Good morning. My name is Uriah. Um, you may or may not know me. I used to be in here a lot, not a ton anymore, but I'm still here. I'm here. It's me. Um, so this is just a topic. Um, before we turn there, I guess if you want to start turning, First Timothy 1. A lot of us has been, have been studying it in our Bible studies, but this topic has been something heavy on my heart. Like all over the summer, um, I went to the Lee Summit High School camp and talked a lot about this. And then when we were in our First Timothy small group, so just this topic, it has really stuck with me. And I've, I've, I've had to spend a lot of time there just really trying to understand what God wanted me to get from it. Um, and I don't think he's done teaching with me today. Um, and we're getting back to the basics, all right, as you might be able to, to see on the screen. Um, you know, everyone says, all you need to know is ABC, Jesus loves me, and you can be a Christian, right? So we're going to put, put it to the test, right? Is ABC, Jesus loves me, all I need? Um, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, right? I'm being completely serious. Melissa, Jesus loves you. I'm going to say a lot of things over and over again, Andy. Jesus loves you, right? And a lot of times, we're going to talk about this later, a lot of times these truths, these, these little statements, we can brush off. Someone says, Jesus loves you, and you're like, yeah, I know, thanks, man. It's great. You know, and we'll get into it more, but just, just pay attention to these things. I'm going to say a lot of things to you, and I'm talking about myself, too. I realize that. I put, I put a lot of yous in the text, in the, in the passage, in the, in the message, but I'm, I'm saying me as well. But it's going to come off like I'm saying you a lot. But Jesus loves you, and I don't ever want to come to a place in my faith where someone saying Jesus loves me doesn't vibrate the core of my soul as, a, as assuredly true. It's the foundation to my entire life that Jesus loves me. And I don't want to be able to brush that off just like a passive, yeah, I know. I know, it's cool. But all this other stuff's going on. When someone tells you and reminds you or you hear or you remember that Jesus loves you, that should be something good. You should love hearing that because of how true it is. Jesus loves you. And you know what else? You are enough. Exactly who you are right now, all the sin, all the things that happened this weekend, whoever you were five years ago, yesterday, whatever you're thinking about, however perfect you are, however good you are, no matter who you are right now, Jesus loves you just as much as the person right next to you. Jesus loves you. You are enough. I don't care how much money you have, how mature you think you are, how immature you think you are, how awkward you are, how smart you are, how dumb you are, how hot you are, how basic you are, whoever you are, whatever that voice running through all day long, we have this dialogue of just thoughts and minds and stuff telling us things, whatever that is saying, Jesus loves you and you're enough. So the thesis for today, and then we'll pray and get into it is that we have obtained grace and mercy to live by faith. So let's pray. Um, Father, um, we come to you today and just, I ask personally that you would speak to us. Um, Lord, I don't have the right things to say, or I can't be clever enough or cool enough or 
passionate enough or, or whatever it is, Lord, but I know that your word is true and I know um, that you're speaking to us. I know you desire um, for us to be in a deeper relationship with you. I know you desire for our hearts um, to just throb with, with the knowing of, of your love. Um, Lord, help us to be passionate about love and help us to be passionate about the mission. Help us to know and understand just how much you love us, God. Um, Lord, today, would you remove any distraction? Um, would you just help us to take a deep breath and listen and allow the word of God um, to divide the flesh from our soul, to pierce our hearts and change us, Father? Uh, Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So 1 Timothy, um, and then we're going to be in chapter 1, and I'm going to start out reading um, 12 and 13, verses 12 and 13. So that says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13, Who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So what, what, what's, that, what's that saying? Paul is saying that Jesus enabled him, he counted him faithful, and put him into ministry despite all these sinful titles that could have been attributed to his life, right? Paul was blasphemer, he was persecutor, he was injurious. I don't know how much you know, but he was hunting Christians down and beating them, torturing them, killing them, doing whatever he could to shut down this Jesus movement. That was Paul. Despite that, he says Jesus Christ enabled him and put him into ministry because of obtaining mercy. So this first section, um, it'll be in the top left. It's just going to be obtaining mercy. I don't have really key points, but we have key sections, and, and you'll get it. But obtaining mercy. <clears throat> Has anyone seen Goodwill Hunting? R raise your hand. I'm getting to the point in my life for my references. I'm realizing not everyone knows anymore. So... So we're going to play a little clip, all right? I'm going to narrate it first. It's going to be muted, okay? I'm going to have to tell you what's going on. I can't even recommend that you watch it. There's a lot of foul language, all right? I asked Brandon if I could play a foul language clip, and he said no. So sorry, guys. I tried. Anyways, so basically, you can get it queued up. Don't hit play yet. But basically, Matt Damon and, and Robin Williams are in this movie. Matt Damon grew up in an abusive home, and he turned out to be a bad kid. And so I'm not going to tell you the whole movie, but he's a tough guy. He gets into trouble. He gets into fights all the time. He's, you know, small guy, like Boston-y. And so he's like got an attitude. But his dad beat him growing up. Like he has this severe trauma because of how aggressive and physical his dad was with him. And so he ends up in counseling with Robin Williams. And they get to this point. We're going to play the scene in a minute. But they get to this point where Robin Williams is his counselor. He's reviewing this, this, this like doctor's report on, on who Matt, what Matt Damon's life's like. And Robin Williams is saying, hey, I get it. My dad was abusive too. And they like bond over this thing. And then there's this part that we're going to watch. Um, you can probably roll it and I'll kind of just keep talking over it since there's no words. But anyways, it might not even work, but. What? Okay. Okay, it might start, but I'll just go. So Robin gets to this part where he tells Matt, hey, Matt Damon, like all this abuse, all this stuff you've went through, whatever, he says, it's not your fault. That's all he says. He says, it's not your fault. And Matt Damon's response is, I know. <laughs> I know it's not. And, he, and Robin Williams goes, no. I'm doing a really bad job. They are fantastic actors. I wish you could watch it. 
But Robin Williams is like, no, man, no, man, it's not your fault. And Matt Damon's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not my fault. Like, I just got, Robin Williams is like, no. And he's getting closer. Like, they're closing this gap. Robin Williams is like, no, 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 it's not your fault. He's getting softer as he says it. And you just get to watch Matt Damon. He has this wall up because everyone that has this trauma or hurt or pain, they have this wall. And you hear something like, it's not your fault. You're like, yeah, I know. Like, let's keep living life. But you, but you can sense Robin Williams isn't satisfied. He's getting, you could even just go to YouTube and find it if you start it <laughs> at two minutes. But he gets to this point where he's like, Robin Williams isn't relenting. He's like, no, no, it's not your fault. And then, then Matt Damon starts to get a little offended. He's like, or confused. He's like, what, what's going on? I, I know it's not my fault. He says it again, it's not your fault. And then Matt Damon gets mad. He starts pushing him. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, it's not, I know. And he's, Robin Williams is relentless. He says, hey, it's not your fault. And then Matt Damon, you know, breaks down in tears. And it's a beautiful scene. Unfortunately, you can't see it. I tried. They're really good actors. Don't Google it. It's bad, bad words in it. It's beautiful, though. And it, it's, but it's what I wanted to do is because that's what we do. When someone tells us that, we're like, yeah, I know. I know Jesus loves me. But that's what we need sometimes. Someone to just stand there and beat it through the walls that we put up. Like, Jesus loves me. I know, man. I know. And we go through this process. No, no. Jesus loves you until we get it to where it sinks past those walls. We let that mask down. The thing we put up every day, we live this life. We have to let those walls down so that the guy who's trying to help, his, his message can get through. And that's when the healing begins. So like after that point in the movie, it's a big turning point in the movie because he let his walls down and whatever. Anyways, sorry you couldn't watch it. But do you believe this morning that when I tell you you're enough, exactly who you are, whatever you did last night, do you believe me? Do you believe that more than, yeah, I know I'm enough? More than if we could watch it and roll the clip again, which part of that are you at? You know, when I keep telling you you're enough, when you keep hearing that you're enough and Jesus loves you no matter what, you keep hearing it, what part of that stage of Matt Damon saying, yeah, I know, are you at? Or, or are you finally going to let the wall down and believe it? After service, if any of you guys need to, we can have a line and I'll just keep telling you you're enough and then break down the walls, but it takes so much time that we'd have to do it after service. But we can goodwill hunting this if you want. I will. Because I don't think we get that a lot of the time. A lot of the time, we're just, we're just going to church, we're going to work, we're going to Bible study, and we can shrug all these things off and we can keep living and we keep getting stuck in the same things that we were, we were where we were in the beginning when we showed up. We show up to Bible study, we brush everything off that we hear, and when we go home, we're still wrestling with the same exact things. We get too caught up in all of our various failures and forget that Jesus loves me for exactly who I am. Who I am right now is who Jesus loves me for. We'll talk about sin later, but just remember that. Jesus loves you. You don't need to change anything. You don't need to be anything else. You don't need to fix something. Jesus loves you exactly how you are right now. You're enough. Don't let that bounce off your walls. Let that sink in. Are you in ministry? Plug yourself into the passage. I thank Christ who enabled me that he counted you faithful. What were you before? Were you a blasphemer? He counted you faithful. What were you before? A liar? Lustful? Whatever it was, he counted you faithful and put you in ministry. 
That's the mercy that you've obtained. He counted me faithful, putting me into Kaya, putting me into MBT, putting me into my Bible study, who was before an adulterer, a liar, a cheater, drug addict, prideful, covetous, lustful, but you obtained mercy. Jesus Jesus Christ's love is mercy on your life, putting you into ministry to glorify him through it. The fleshly gut reaction for me is to try and fix or solve my own problems. I, I, I find my failures, I think about my failures, all those things that hold you back or say I'm not good enough or Jesus should be more focused on other people. The problem we get into a lot, that was a janky segue, a different kind of topic, but the problem we get into a lot is I wanna fix those things myself, right? Like I feel like I don't pray enough, what am I gonna do to pray more? Which is like the holiest thing I could have said up here. I don't pray enough. (laughs) You're like, what? But whatever it is, like fill in the blank, I have way worse things. But whatever error you see, a lot of the times we're trying to fix it ourselves, right? Aren't we? I want to pray more. I don't pray enough. What can I do to, to fix it? But I can't even solve, I can't solve those problems. Like I can't fix that. If I feel like I'm starting to slip up somewhere, my reaction is to focus on fixing the lack but it doesn't work. It doesn't work to fix that. It's like, having, it's like having a yard with nice grass and you have dandelions everywhere. And what that, what, fixing that problem yourself is like taking scissors and just cutting the tops off of all the dandelions. Doesn't fix anything. Like maybe for five minutes, you don't see any more dandelions, but they're all still there. And the next day they come up even taller. I'm not capable of, of fixing anything. I can fix, I'm actually a pretty good plumber, I could fix anything plumbing, right? I don't know about Stefan, I don't know how good he is, but I can fix anything. Um, but, but, but the problems in our souls, the problems in our sin, the problem in my flesh, like my pipe wrench doesn't fit inside someone's body. Like that's it, that's all I can fix is plumbing things. I can't fix your soul. I'm not capable of fixing that. Remember, what, a cool thing, like once you get into a trade or something like that, you'll go into a space and you'll, you start like looking around. Do you do this? You like see the piping up in the ceiling and you're like, you, you just like start immediately judging whoever. Like I walked in downstairs and I was like, ooh, I would have done that a little differently. <laughs> but you just immediately judge the work and you can see you walk into a space and you're like, oh, this guy was really good. It's all organized and ran nice. Or you walk in somewhere like, oh, this guy didn't know what he was doing at all. There's like crazy stuff happening. So you walk into your soul, and you can tell, if you're saved, you can tell that Jesus Christ has been there. (laughs) You can tell. So remember that somebody already did that work in your heart. Jesus Christ's handiwork is my reborn soul. I don't need to obtain some time off of my busy life to meditate on self-help. I need to remember that Jesus Christ is the one who gives out mercy. I need to pray and ask for help. Isn't that how I got here in the first place? Right? Who, were, who, were, who were we before this? How did we get here? We were sinners who called on the name of Jesus Christ, and he gave us mercy. Remember who we were. That sinner was able to obtain mercy. That person who was way grosser than me was able to obtain mercy. Why can't I right now? You still have the same mercy. Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Galatians 3.3, are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Right, having begun with a spiritual work, with all you do is cry out, it's a free gift, 
like whatever, I, I confess that I need Jesus Christ in my life, no work on my, my, my part. I just say I'm a sinner and I need help. And Jesus comes in and does the rest. As you have begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? I can't add to what that work does. I have to keep depending on the spiritual transformation that Jesus does in my life. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you received him, helpless, a sinner, broken, no way going forward, hey, I'm not gonna make it because of my sin. I know I'm destined for hell. I need Jesus Christ to do something supernatural in my life. As you received him, so walk ye. So every day, as you, you wanna walk in him, you wanna fix a problem in your life, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need you to do something in my life. So as you have received him, as you got saved, walk like that. Walk dependent on Jesus to do something life-altering for the current path, right? You wanna be, we wanna be sanctified, this is another little sub-point. We wanna be sanctified, right? We're gonna get into some, some different things, but sanctification, John 17, 17 says, sanctification, or sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Sanctification is the process of you walking more and more in the spirit every day. It is the maturation of your spiritual man as you grow from a babe in Christ to an adult. Sanctification is your ability to apply the word of God to your life. But it's important to remember that our present sanctification has little to do with how much God loves us. Right? Sounds weird, right? We want to be sanctified. You want to be more and more like Christ every day. Whatever stage you're at, Jesus Christ loves you exactly as much as he will ever love you. You're enough. Sanctification is the goal, right? I'm not saying it's bad, but until we all come, you know, until we all come perfect, thoroughly furnished, all these things talk about sanctification and the perfection of the saints, like those are good things. But I feel personally that I allow those things, I allow things like blasphemer, persecutor, injurious, those are the, the things from our passage, or like lustful, prideful, insecure, lazy, apathetic, plug in those things that you know you struggle with. We allow those to condemn us and to trap us where God has already shown us mercy. So God enabled us for ministry. Even though we were those things, even though you're prideful, even though you were lustful, even though you have whatever things you have going on, God enables you for ministry and has given you mercy for that. The next part, the next couple verses in the passage, verse 14 and 15. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. This is 1 Timothy 1. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, acceptation that, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So this next section is obtaining grace. We, we were obtaining mercy, now we're obtaining grace. So, so all of the wickedness in your life, all of the darkness, the things that you catch yourself thinking about, the things that like haunt you, like you deal with, and then you have seasons where you're past it, but then it sneaks back up on you and you're just sitting there, you're like, am I cursed or something? Like, why can't I get this thing out of my life? Like, I think I'm gonna get rid of it and then six months later it's back. 
All of that stuff, all that crap is what, what brought Jesus into your life in the first place. Because you were a sinner, you needed Jesus. His love was already exceedingly abundant. That's a redundant phrase for a reason. You know what redundant is like? You don't need both the words. They're saying the same thing. Exceedingly abundant. Abundant already means, it means more than plentiful. Like you have what you need, but you have an abundance of it. It's abundant. It's everywhere. And then exceedingly is like so much more of it. Like you have the abundance, and then it's like a line of abundance. Exceedingly abundant. Abundant, yeah, I already said that. Um, Imagine standing in front, okay, so imagine standing in a little river, and then you have a big old dam. I can't say cuss words, but I can say dam. Like a dam, a dam that holds like a river back. You know, like when they don't want so much water, they build a big dam. Um, So dams are good. Um, Whenever we think of dams, just kidding. So we're standing in the river. We're standing in the river. We're in the water. There's plenty of water, right? And then you have this giant dam. And then imagine, imagine the dam breaks. Water everywhere. Like imagine it's like, I don't know, think of a famous dam. I don't know any of them. What? The Hoover Dam. Imagine standing in front of the Hoover Dam, which is I'm imagining like stories, stories high in the air, and it just breaks. And all there is is just water. (laughs) Just so much just coming down to just annihilate you, right? <laughs> that, is, that is the grace. That's, that's the exceeding abundance of the grace. So, so that dam breaks, you're lost in the water. Basically, you are water now. Everything you were is gone, and you become water. Up is down, down is up. You can't breathe. You can't say anything. You're lost. You're spin cycling. You're all over the place. It's just water, That is the grace that comes roaring over you when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the grace that washes over you is... Your old man is gone. You are just drowning in grace. All you can see, all you can fathom is grace. Those sins don't disqualify you from grace. It's like trying to say that our sins are like this, you know, like a water wicking jacket. It's like says it's going to, the water's going to beat off, which doesn't even work. Like you stand in the rain and you can see the water stop beating off and just start soaking in. That's like our sins. We're like, well, my sin disqualifies me. Like God doesn't love me as much because I treat him like this. That's like wearing that little jacket and the giant dam of grace dropping down on you, thinking you're going to be dry. We have, to, we have to remember the difference between guilt and conviction. So guilt and conviction is, is a lesson in discipleship, right? How many of you guys have talked about guilt versus conviction? You gotta raise your hand a little higher. Okay, there you go, now I know. So conviction is trying to help you move forward. Guilt is trying to, to smother the sin in your face and keep you, keep you trapped, choked, exactly where you are, if not going backwards. So conviction is good, guilt is bad. Guilt, uh, once these issues that you deal with, the, the, whatever it is, plug it in, pornography, pride, lust, like lying, whatever it is, plug it in. Guilt wants you to stay trapped in that stuff, wants you to just say, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless, I suck, I'm so terrible for doing these things, and then it keeps you there. Conviction wants you to go past it, wants you to lay it down and realize that the grace you have through Jesus Christ is more than enough and allow you to walk forward out of it. The tricky thing is is they they feel 
like the feeling in your guts, it feels the exact same, right? That's why we get tripped up. Like, am I being guilty over this or am I being convicted over this? It's because it kind of feels the same to start, (laughs) okay? At first, you feel bad. Like, you sin, you feel bad either way. You feel remorseful, but conviction is, is compelling you to deal with that thing biblically. It's leading you to repentance. Guilt compels you to deal with it fleshly, and it wants to keep you locked in bondage. Um, and so Jesus came into this world to save those people. Whatever you're guilty of, whatever you're convicted of, Jesus came into the world to save you. You were enough for Jesus to come. Nothing disqualifies you from Jesus saying, I want to die on the cross for you. Say, well, like what, what sin can you say when that grace is falling down on you, destroying everything? The, you're not going to be able to say anything. That's how dealt with sin is. Jesus paid for it. He took away all your sin, all the stuff you did, all the stuff you were doing, all the stuff you're going to do. Every sin is washed away. So in the face of grace, even if that water's, I mean, destroying you, I don't know how you'd even say anything, but that sin that you're trying to say that makes me unworthy, that that the reason I suck, the reason I'm not as good as this person, whatever it is you're trying to say can't come out. The grace is like, like, suffocating you and drowning you. It's in your lungs. It's what, what do you have to say? You're kidding yourself. He came into this world, Jesus did, to save you. So when that river of grace is demolishing your body, you can't get the words out. Your voice is choked in a good way. The flesh is powerless against the raging river of God's love for you. So the world and the flesh and the devil These things, those three things, are trying to do whatever they can to mess with your head. All their power and all their manipulation and whatever they can do, they're they're, they're doing it to you, but they can't make you do anything. All that the world, the flesh, and the devil are trying to get you to do is make a bad choice because you have to choose. You choose obedience, you choose faith, you choose to believe in the Word of God, or you choose weakness. But all these, these, these crazy, like the devil, and he's in, like insane, they, they can tear up whatever. They're bad. It's all bad. They can ruin life for you. They can make things hard. They can make things easy. They can let you win the lottery. They can do whatever they want around you, to you. But they can't make you make a decision. It's always everything's coming at you because they want you to make the decision. That's all they can do, influence your decisions. So all that power, all the manipulation, it all comes down to them trying to get you to choose. Their entire plan is to get you to miss this exceeding abundant grace, this overpouring of mercy on everything about you. Everything that Jesus saw, saw you do in the future, chose to die for you, all that stuff, they're trying to get you to think about that. They're trying to make make you make bad decisions. They want you to make one bad decision and then one more, and then one more, and then one more. It's always one little decision, one little decision, one little decision, and before you know it, you forget all about how much God loves you. When did Jesus ever say, all right, I loved you, but not anymore. I'm done loving you. When did he ever say that? Did, did Abraham's fear, we talked about that with Sam, did Abraham's fear stop God from loving him? Did David's lust, did Moses' anger, did pick whatever about Peter, 
Thomas's doubt, Paul's violence, your weakness, my lust, my greed, your pride, absolutely nothing excludes us from Jesus Christ deeming me, you, 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 every single one of us, he saw how gross we were and said, I'm going to die on the cross for you. Nothing excludes us from that. There is no example in our holy, perfect, preserved, eternally good word of God to ever believe that Jesus will stop loving us, no matter what. Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And then you skip down to verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So those three things. Right? We're dealing with like, well, but I'm not, I'm walking in the flesh, you know, or, or whatever. But <laughs> you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So if the spirit of God dwells in you, you're in the spirit, and now you get to choose if I'm going to make a flesh choice or a spirit choice. You know, you know that, that verse um, when Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, you do know it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So why did Paul need to say that? Why is that verse necessary? Because we have so much grace that technically, I mean, you would be a terrible person for doing this, but technically, you could continue in sin that grace may abound. Technically. Don't do that. You probably wouldn't be saved if you're able to do that. But you have so much grace. Jesus paid for all of the sin. You could, as a person saved by grace, continue in sin and grace would abound. He's not going to let you. I'm not endorsing sin. He would take you home probably if you were saved. But he still loves you. Like That's still how much grace we have. So we talked about all the mercy we have. We talked about all the grace we have. Verse 16 of 1 Timothy 1 Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, right? Mercy again, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And so this section three is obtained mercy. It was mercy so nice he had to say it twice. But you get it? He, he's given us so much mercy. You have mercy. You have mercy. You have mercy. You have mercy for everything. He enabled you. He put you into the ministry. Whatever you were, blasphemer. Whatever you were, liar. Whatever you were, adulterer. Whatever it is, he's deemed you worthy of ministry. He's washed that away. You've obtained mercy and grace and mercy more. For you, if Paul said, Paul said he was the chief sinner, he was a murderer of Christians, and he found mercy. He was redeemed. And he now magnifies Jesus Christ through everything in his life. All he does is magnify Jesus Christ. How powerful is that for me? Like, our natural tendency is to say, well, he wasn't the chief sinner, but I am, and that verse relates to me. Let's say it this other way. What if Paul was the chief sinner, and he's able to do what he does? 
How freeing is that for me? Well, if he's the chief one, then I'm less. Well, I can do that then. Well, isn't that enough grace for you? Isn't that enough mercy for you? If the chief sinner can, can magnify Jesus Christ through his life, then so can us, so can we. So because of that, because of that, because of how much Jesus loves us, because of how much he knows and still chooses to love us, because of how much he knows and still chose to die for us, to be mocked by us, those gross people he came for in the first place, the sinners that we were, because we were enough, he is able to reach the world through us. Because it wasn't anything that we did. It wasn't how good we were. We don't have to wait around until we earn the right to go magnify Jesus Christ. It's all, it's all about taking the, the ugly and the redeemed, or ugly and making them the redeemed. It's like whatever we were, whatever state we were in, Jesus wants to glorify himself through that. You don't have to wait for, for an LFBI graduation before you can share the gospel. You don't have to wait to, to go through discipleship before you understand that God loves you. He doesn't love the discipled any less, any more than the undiscipled. He loves everyone. I'm not advocating for don't do it. I'm advocating for who you are right now is more than enough. Who you are right now is everything you need to be enabled for ministry. You don't need to go start a church. You could. <laughs> don't just go, don't, don't be crazy, all right? Don't be crazy. But whoever you are right now, Jesus gave up his life for you and has enabled you for ministry. Whoever you are, whatever you're dealing with, whatever sins, whatever you think about at night when you're like, I'm not as good as these people around me. I'm not, this Bible study chick shows up and has all their verses memorized and she's way better than me, obviously. But it's not true. It's not true. Jesus loves you just as much as that person. He does. You think your sin is bad? Okay, maybe you are the worst. Maybe you're the worst right now. But you know what? There was people, so, so, so were you spitting in the face of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth? Like, okay, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe that's kind of what it breaks down to with what I'm doing in my life. Were you making fun of the titles he has? Were you making fun of Jesus' name? Were you throwing stuff at him when he's walking up a hill with a cross on his back? Were you ripping out his beard? Can you imagine? Were you ripping out Jesus' beard? Is what your sin is? It's what's holding you back? It's what, what you think about? Is that, is that like ripping out Jesus' beard? Is that as bad? Hitting him? Rejecting him? Shoving a crown of thorns down on Jesus Christ's head? Like taking thorns and shoving them onto a person's head? The guy who's literally coming to save our souls. What's your sin? Is it that? Even if it is, that guy shoving a crown of thorns on Jesus Christ's head, he was there dying, going through it for that guy. So what can we do? What is excluding you from saying, yeah, I, okay, yeah, Jesus does love me, you know? Not just the, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I get it. Jesus loves me. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. You can stop saying it. I get it. No. Jesus loves you exactly for who you are. He paid for all of your sins, the ones with the sin of shoving in a crown of thorns on his head. He paid for that guy's sins. He paid for that action, dying on the cross an hour later. He pays for whatever you have going on in your life. 
It didn't stop him from giving up his own life in love for you. So what's that thing that's holding you back? What's that thing that makes you too sinful to do anything? What's that thing that we think about? Matthew 14, verse 36 um, says, and besought him, this is people when Jesus is walking, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. So people with illnesses, sicknesses in the street, if they just touched Jesus' clothes, their body was completely, perfectly made whole. And you know what you get? All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need you. And you don't, you don't just touch his clothes. He comes and lives inside your heart. It's not just the touching of a robe and you're made perfectly whole. He lives inside of you and you are made perfectly whole. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be sinless. I don't have to be the best at anything. Jesus Christ will magnify himself through my life. And especially when these two things happen. When I have faith in the mercy I've obtained in Christ's sacrifice, and I walk in the grace I've obtained in Christ's sacrifice. I have to take my eyes off of myself. I'm not advocating for keeping sin in your life. Like, hear me, I don't want us to be sinful. God does hate sin. But Jesus loves you. God loves you, despite that stuff. We have to take our eyes off of ourselves. Yes, I want to be perfect, but I'm not, and I'm never going to be. Jesus Christ is perfect, and he lives inside of me. Every day, what is one small thing that I can do? Every day I wake up. What's one small thing I can do today? You can say, I'm enough, Jesus loves me, Jesus is perfect inside of me. I need to make one small choice, one faithful decision to walk in that grace, to say, yes, I'm enough. Whatever I'm doing, whatever sin I'm in, whatever, Jesus counted me worthy to die on the cross for. What's one thing I can do? What's one thing I can be faithful? I don't need to worry about how I'm going to get across the street. I need to worry about what's my next step. Am I going to step on something here? Well, I better go this way. Don't worry about what's over there. What is your next step? What's one faithful decision? What's the one next thing you can do? So I know this is sounding basic and fundamental and maybe more like an inspirational speech. But listen, everything that Jesus has given you is to set you free. It's so heartbreaking to see us put shackles or bondage back on ourselves. It's so sad to think that the history of Christ, his works and his miracles culminating, everything he's done all the way up until this moment, looks like me slapping some handcuffs back on myself. I'm not good enough for the mission. I'm not going to reach Kansas City. That's crazy. You know, this place is too hard. And you just put your handcuffs on and you just watch Netflix all day. Whatever it is, that's what we do. We put ourselves back in bondage. Moses climbed up this mountain into God who was fire because his faith made him free. Not because he was sinless, because he had faith. David could have crumbled up in his self-deprecation, cheating on his most faithful soldier. Like, this story is so dramatic, and my name is Uriah, like, I still harbor, like, a tiny bit of ill will to anyone named David. Like, I love David Sanderson, but I will never trust you 100% completely. It's just, 
I don't know. I just feel myself in the story. What a horrible thing to do to someone, David. What? No, but that was terrible. The guy, the king of Israel, saw a dude's wife, cheated, like took that wife, slept with her, didn't want to get caught, so he sent the guy out to die, made sure he died so that he was good or whatever. That's terrible. Isn't it? Like, that's not some, and it's not some story that you hear in the world, because I'm sure that happens, you know, you could imagine that in a movie or something, something like that. It's not a random guy. It's like the Sam Miles of Israel. Like, if MBT is Israel, that's the chief guy, the king of everything. And I'm not slandering, like, I'm going to use these names. They're not going to do this. But it's like Sam Miles doing that to somebody. It's like Sam Miles taking someone's wife. Ah, I can't even use that. That's a bad. I don't, I don't like saying it. I don't like saying it. That's how messed up it was. Like, can you imagine, like, our leader, our guy who's giving us the vision, our everything, like, we support, we're fighting everything for, and how he repays you is taking what's yours, what God gave you, and then let, making sure you get killed? That's terrible. Sam would never do that. But you know what? God still loved David. He did. That's a horrible thing to do. If, if I was David, I'm like, man, that disqualifies me from ministry. Like, that disqualifies me from God love, God's love. And you can study it out. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here running out. But you, you can look. He was depressed for a little bit. But God wasn't done with him. God sent somebody to check in on him. He sent Nathan, right? Isn't that the guy's name? He sent Nathan. He's like, hey, dude, I'm not done. Yeah, that was messed up. I still love you. Isn't that crazy? So, Jesus' love, the amount of grace, the amount of mercy, isn't to say, like, okay, I'm cool with sin, I'm cool with whatever. I'm not saying that. But it is supposed to set you free. Right? You've heard that? We've sang that? Free indeed. Is that the words? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. We're supposed to be free. The church is supposed to set you free. Liberty, right? Liberty to reach all. So I became this so I could reach this. I became like, you know, the homeless so I could reach the homeless. I became like the vegetarians so I could reach the vegetarians. Like liberty to do whatever where some people would be like, dude, that's a sin, man. Like, well, I need to reach these people. Liberty is to set you free. The word of the holy God, the Bible, it's to set you free. The Holy Spirit pumping life inside of you is to set you free. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 4.3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Romans 8.21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The liberty of the children of God, not the bondage. If you, I'm just saying, if you were confused why that verse is in it, I'm talking about like the children of God. You can look it up. Romans 8.15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, 
John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. We have to take those baby steps. Those, what, what I was talking about, when you wake up, you, you know these core truths. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that your sins are paid for. You know whatever. Take one small step. You have to take baby steps. Creation and human life displays it for you. You don't, you don't make fun of, my Bible study guys have heard this. It was, it was so good, I had to reuse it. You don't make fun of a baby for being a baby. Like, that, that's what we do, though. I mean, before you laugh, this is what we do spiritually in here. We, you don't, I don't walk up to a baby who can't walk, can't crawl, is crying because he's hungry, and I don't make fun of him for being um, not mature. I'll say, wow, what a dumb baby. It can't walk. <laughs> it can't walk or do long division. How dumb. How dumb of that thing to be a baby. We don't do that. We just are like, wow, a baby. <laughs> cool, I hope it gets good milk today. Or, wow, a toddler, I hope you have fun. It, no one's like, dude, this toddler needs to be doing the perfect thing, and it needs to be like, you're just like, wow, I hope you have fun doing whatever you like to do, toddler. Like, do you like dinosaurs? That's cool. Or this toddler likes math. Or like Josie, and she's just a genius. Like, that's cool. Like, you don't like hate on different toddlers for not, you just, like, whatever the toddler's doing, you're like, cool, <laughs> I support you being a toddler. But you don't, you don't take a 40-year-old and then make fun of the toddler for not being like a 40-year-old. We have to take that little step, that little next step. You don't, you don't make fun of a baby for not being able to walk. No one makes fun of a baby Christian for not being able to walk. You don't get saved and people are like, Oh, come on, man. You need to be expositing revelation. You know, like, no one expects that from you. It's the same thing. You see a baby, you're like, I hope that baby's taken care of. A baby Christian is in ministry, I hope that baby gets taken care of. I hope you get into discipleship. I hope you know that we love you. Do you need me to watch them for a while? You need to go out on a date? I'll babysit. <laughs> but it's not a, a competition to see who's more mature. Like, however old you are is just however old you are, right? No one's judging me for not being something that I'm not, right? No one cares if you, if you can't eat steak yet when you're three. Or maybe that's, you're probably eating steak at three. Like one, like they're eating mush, you know? No one's, like, complaining that this baby can't eat steak yet. It's not time. No, no one cares about, I don't know, Maybe people want you to, to see you grow, so they do care. But who, like, if you're drinking milk and you're a baby, that's what you like. That's what you need. That's what you get. That's the stage of life you're in. So do that. Like, I'm, that's what I'm saying is, like, those baby steps, don't worry if it looks like milk right now. Maybe you just have been here and have never taken real steps, and you think you're a lot farther than what you are. Like, these giant steps you're trying to take aren't working because you're trying to jump over the whole bottle phase or something. I don't know. What can you do? What's one small step to be faithful? That's what matters. That's what we care about. Hey, are you obey, trying to obey God? Are you trying to be faithful? That matters way more than, hey, what books in the Bible have you memorized? <laughs> Who cares? I can just read it too. I don't know. But like, 
What's the small step? What is your next step in faith? Not your next, I'm gonna go be a missionary in Kenya, but what's your next, what do I do today? What am I gonna pray? Am I gonna pray before lunch? Like, that's the little things that, that we need to care about. Will you be faithful? The, the word is a, a light and a lamp unto our, our, our feet. Not doesn't illuminate the whole street. It's not street poles saying like, okay, in five years, you're gonna be, no one knows. I don't know what's gonna happen in five years, but if I have the word of God, I have a lamp at my feet and I can see when I'm gonna step into a pile of, or I can take a little, go a little over, you know, and not step in that. That's what the lamp, of the, the lamp does for my feet, a little step. How can I take one little step of faith? Well, I don't wanna step in that. I'm gonna dodge that sin. I'm gonna not make that sinful choice because I know with what the word of God says, that's one little bad thing, one little bad decision. Moses wasn't able to walk up the mountain and dwell with God in the fire because he was the most spiritually mature. Paul didn't become the most prolific New Testament Christian because he had more gifts than you. These spiritual giants that we read about, the spiritual guys that we see, like Eric and Sam and Brandon, the people that we see and we're like, oh my gosh, they're so spiritual. They know so much Bible. They're doing so much. They must be so mature. Like, it, it's just them choosing faith. And you can do that too. They're making those decisions. They're just saying, okay, faithful. And it, it gets a little, you get a little used to it. You get a little used to seeing the light and you're able to maybe take more reliable steps of faith. It's the same thing. They're just making faithful decisions. They're doing faithful things. They're making faithful steps with the word of God as it lights their path. They're making faithful choices. And that's all we do. We make faithful choices. Why is my Bible study leader leading Bible study and not me? Well, they probably make faithful choices and you've shown that you can't, right? It's not a competition, but we don't, it's, you can't, if you're not gonna take those steps, how are you gonna help other people do it? You know, God loves you just as much. You have all the same mercy and all the same grace and all the same love as someone else. But with that, we have to take the faithful steps. Do the faithful little things. You are complete in Jesus Christ. We have to choose faith, not guilt. And so obviously we, we do walk in the flesh sometimes. But don't let guilt burden you from walking in power. Let conviction guide you as you walk in newness of life. A guilty Christian is a stunted Christian, and a convicted Christian is a powerful Christian. Both of those things, guilt and conviction, happen when you sin, when you see sin in your life. But if, if, if you let guilt have its work, you're going to stay there. If you let conviction have its work, it's going to build you. It's going to be powerful. Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are enough. You don't need anything else. You are enough. Exactly who you are. Exactly who you are, you are enough. Right? Do we need to do the Robin Williams line? You're enough. God loves you. He wants to enable you for ministry. He probably has. You have all the grace and mercy to be in ministry, to tell people about Jesus, to tell them how much they, he loves them, right? Because you were a sinner too, we're sinners too. I can tell somebody, hey, I sucked. 
I was a terrible person, and I knew about Jesus, and I was still sinning. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. How am I so sinful? How am I going to live life like that? But despite that, Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus died and loves me despite that. That's enough for me to tell somebody else about it. Hey, it doesn't matter. Like, Paul, if he was the chief sinner, he received Jesus Christ, so my neighbor across the street can too. Like, that's what's cool. You don't need to be anything to just be enabled for ministry. You just need that mercy and grace. You're enough. Jesus loves you so much that he wipes away and pays for every single sin that you committed, are committing, and will commit. They're gone. They're enough, and we never even have to talk about it. The judgment seat, he's never, he's not even going to say, like, look at all the sin you have done. Never comes up. Jesus' payment deletes sin. All you have to say is, okay, what faithful steps did you take? What did you do that was faithful? And if you're listening, and if you're saying, oh yeah, it's just the little things. I just have to take little steps of obedience, little steps of faith, and ignore the sin. Jesus paid for the sin. I'm, like, obviously, I, we want to grow out of it and sin less and less and less and less, but how you do that is those faithful little steps, knowing that Jesus Christ is done with the sin. He's done with it. You never have to see it again. <laughs> it's, it's gone. We, we let the sin play too much of a role in our lives. Sin, who cares? Jesus paid for it. What little faithful steps can you take in grace and mercy? What can you do? In a good way, not a bad way. So the only thing keeping you entangled in your own bondage is you. Like the world, the flesh, and the devil are trying to keep you there. They're doing it, but it's all about the little choice that we make. We have to make the choices. You can choose to believe or you can choose to not believe. Believe. Jesus placed you and 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 you. Eye contact bullets. You, 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 you. He placed you above his own life, above what he deserved, above the deity of being God in man. He placed you above all that and died for you. He, he let this world full of wicked humans just disgrace him. Like we did not deserve Jesus. But you know what? When we don't believe in what he did, that makes it even worse. He loves you despite all that. And then on top of that, you make his sacrifice of none effect because we don't believe that he pays for it and that he loves you anyways. That's guilt. That's the flesh trying to keep you there. Don't buy into that. You are free. You have obtained mercy. You have obtained grace. You have obtained mercy again. So go, so go ye therefore in mercy and in grace and what you have obtained and preach the gospel. Not form the coolest club or we, we can talk, you know, you can talk and do whatever with your Bible study, but make faithful decisions. Preach the gospel. Tell someone about what Jesus did in your life because it's amazing. And if you're not willing to tell people, if you're too scared or embarrassed or prideful, you know what that tells me? When I don't do it, I'm not just saying that to you, remember? I'm saying it to me too. What that tells me is I forgot how much Jesus loves me. And I need to hear ABC, Jesus loves me. Because that is, that's life-changing. That I can't be bad enough 
for Jesus to die for me. I can't be bad enough for him to stop loving me. Nothing disqualifies me, but I'm going to go out to work and I'm not going to tell some customer that Jesus loves them. Man, I forgot. I forgot what this is about. I need to reexamine because Jesus loves me. It's too complicated, right? He loves me, and I need to tell other people that he loves them too. You're free. I can't fix my problems. I can't fix your problems. Jesus sets you free and keeps you free. He wants that relationship with you. He doesn't want you to have all the answers. I would, it would Think about it. In a marriage or a girlfriend or whatever you got, I don't know. You don't want them to just say the perfect thing all the time. I don't want, like, I don't just, like, go and, and tell my wife how I'm having a hard time. I don't want her to give me the perfect counsel. I want her to be like, well, this is what you need in your life. I'm like, dang, you're right. I don't want that. I just want her to be with me, you know? I just want a relationship. Jesus desires us to be sinless. He desires us to come to the fruition of maturity, but he's perfect in our soul, and more than anything, he just wants to have a relationship with you. He just wants to talk. He just wants to, 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 for you to come. You know how good you feel when someone's like, hey, man, I'm just thinking about this, and I really just, I'm coming to you. Like, what do you, can we just be together, or do you have any feedback or counsel? Or It feels good when people are, like, coming to confide in you as a friend, right? That feels good. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to confide in him, not be perfect. Jesus set you free and keeps you free. He wants that relationship with you. And so trust Jesus to guide those steps. He began the work. He started it out by doing a spiritual miracle in your life. And that's how we walk, with him just spiritually miraculous. I don't have to know the perfect thing to say. A lot of times we do have those interactions. We do have those times, and we're trying to tell our friends about it. And you're like, I can't even remember what I said. It just felt like the Spirit was just talking. Because Jesus, you're like, you're doing it, and you're not even thinking about it. Jesus miraculously saved your life, and he's miraculously walking with you. Let the Spirit do what it's supposed to. Be free. We have to have faith for more, but we have to have faith for that little next baby step. Wherever we're at, wherever you're at, step there. Don't step where everyone else is stepping. Don't try to walk like someone else. Not, I mean, obviously, you follow people. But don't try to take adult steps when you're a toddler. You don't need to. If you're a toddler, that's perfectly fine. No one judges a toddler for not being older. You're like, wow, you'd be way cooler if you were 19, not four. No, man, I love my kids. And I don't want them to be older because I love spending time with them how they were. And if I just close my eyes and they're 19, I miss out on their whole life. If I'm just waiting for them to have a conversation with me, I, I miss all the sweet times of playing with my kids when all it is is love. Jesus values you exactly where you are, however spiritually mature. You're in the perfect place. You have received grace and mercy to be free and to take faithful steps, right? So, um, just in review, um, you know, Paul, he was, he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was injurious. Um, but God, God put him into ministry. God gave him mercy for that. And Jesus came in this world 
to save messed up people. He has exceeding grace, exceedingly abundant grace to save sinners, not to save those who've proved themselves perfect, to save sinners. And then because of that, because of that grace and mercy and mercy and grace and then more mercy, because of all that, he gets to show himself a pattern. Like what he does in my life, verse 16, I think I forgot to even talk about it. But how be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. That's you in the scripture right now. We just read about ourselves. What Jesus did in Paul's life is to show as a pattern for them who would hereafter believe. So just like what Paul, Jesus did in Paul's life is for me to see how a chief sinner can still glorify Christ. He's doing that right now. What God does in your life despite you is for you to be able to show other people how God can glorify himself in your life no matter what. Um, so the praise team can come up. Um, that's all I got. Um, I just, okay. So what I don't want, clip didn't work. You're going to have to go home and Google Goodwill Hunting Matt Damon scene. Or say, um, it's not your fault scene. Don't, actually, don't Google it. But I don't want all this to just say, he, he, we hear it, and we're like, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know he loves me. I, I get it. I get it. Like, let, let it get through the stages of bouncing off your walls, of you just saying, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. What, shut up. I know. Like, let it sink in. Jesus loves you. He thinks you're worth dying for right now. Whatever you did, whatever you are doing, whatever you're struggling with, he loves you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you right now. He doesn't care about what you do. He doesn't care about the problems. He just wants to have that relationship right now. Not once you get better. Not once you fix it. Right now. So if you don't, if, so if you don't know, if you, don't, if you haven't received Jesus Christ in your life and, and everything you do just kind of feels empty and pointless or a struggle or you just feel lost or you feel like there's not a purpose in life or, or you're feeling just choked or stuff, like whatever it is, like if you don't have that grace and mercy of Jesus, let me just tell you, it's the best thing. It's the best thing you could ever imagine. Jesus Christ in your life, all those things I said are only true after you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're not sure today that you've done that, please, like there's going to be leaders up front, there's going to be people all over, just talk to somebody. Like let's pray, let's deal with that today. There's no reason to continue in just suffering, you know, just endless cycles of Wake up, go to work, go home. Wake up, go to work, watch TV. Wake up, go to work, wait for my show to come out with a new episode next week. Like, it's so monotonous. And that's why people end up, you're just like, dang, like, what's the point? What am I even doing? Because you don't have Jesus, man. So if you don't know about that, let's do that today. There's going to be leaders coming up. Um, but if you're, if you're feeling like um, you have forgotten how much Jesus loves you or whatever, like, let's pray. Let's not just let it bounce off and then leave and then next week we show up exactly how we were today. Let, let's deal with it. Let's, let's do some stuff, right? So love you guys. Thanks for letting me talk to you. Um, do, I, do you want to pray at the end?
I'll pray. Um, man, God, we love you so much. Um, and even saying it, I don't love you nearly as much as you love me. God, I pray that today, um, you know, however job I did, um, Lord, would you let your word go forth? Um, Lord, would it be powerful? Um, would it penetrate the walls we put up to try to deflect, to try to keep away true change? Lord, soften our hearts. Let us hear truth and, and let it change us. Let it mold us. Let us, let us be weak and vulnerable in talking to somebody we respect. God, I pray that our lives would be changed and different. I pray that we would know that we have all the mercy and all the grace and all the love we need to live a faithful life. There's no better or worse. There's just who's faithful and who's not. God, we love you so much. I just pray that you would take this and minister. Lord, would you do a work? Would you be glorified today? Um, we love you so much. And just let me pray. Amen. today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.